We're glad you're here with us. I'm Dan Burmeister. I'm the lead pastor here. We're so, we're so glad you chose to be with us this morning. It's a miracle that I'm here. Um, my wife is at the women's retreat with so many other women. I actually dressed myself today. Can I please have a hand for that? It was hard. It took a lot of thought, but I remembered some of the outfits she's picked out, so that's, that's good. Well, um, I'll tell you a little bit about my, my childhood, okay? When I was 10 years old, my family moved about a mile from where we were living, and the house we moved into was, was a much bigger house, and I still remember walking into that, that house, new-to-us house, for the first time. Now, usually like 10-year-olds, do they really care that much about a new house? This one was amazing. Let me tell you, for down in the basement, around the corner were steps leading down to another level of basement, a second level Okay, and there before my eyes was a basketball court. Are you kidding me? We're moving into this house, a basketball court. And that basketball court, you can see a picture of it here. It's kind of a bad picture. But it was about the size of a racquetball court, okay? And full ceiling all the way up. You could shoot, didn't have to worry about it at the ceiling. I grew up in this house, it was amazing. That basketball court became like my home within a home. I mean, I went down there to escape, to, to just play. My friends and I spent hours down there. I shot baskets all the time. I practiced trick shots. I could, I could hit a shot, I'm telling you. I could hit a shot about off every angle down there, off the walls, off the floor. It was just the most amazing thing. It was like a dream for many 10-year-olds. That was part of the time I spent as I was young. But I spent time doing other things, too. I had activities, right? There was Little League. There was tennis. I played a lot of tennis when I was younger. Church fit into all of this, too, because my dad had become a believer a couple years earlier than this, and, and he had met Jesus, and Jesus was becoming a greater part of our lives. So church was, was, was becoming more. When I was 12, something else came into my life that changed how I spent my time. And it was this, family's first video game system, okay, the Atari, right, the 2600, oh my gosh, my brother and I spent hours fighting over that controller and trying to play those, those games. Then we had TV, that was another thing we spent our time doing, you had, it was the 80s, it was the 80s, man, you had Magnum PI, right, which is like going through a reboot now, you had Knight Rider, oh, come on, the A-Team, does it get any better? I mean, really, but movies... We didn't have any movies, at least early on. If you wanted to see a movie, you know what you had to do? You guys will be amazed at this. You had to go down to the convenience store, and you had to, like, rent a VCR. Okay, that's how you would, ha you would get to watch a movie. So that was an extravagance back then. So what we had to deal with was the movie of the week on TV. Okay, whatever they put up, we had to deal with that. And the rule was, for me, my bedtime was, like, usually one hour into that movie of the week. And there were no exceptions, okay? So I, like, grew up seeing the first half of a lot of movies. I want to tell you that damages you as a child to not have the end of the movie so many times. Like, that shark is still out there, right? <laughs> but, but my life as a child was filled with tons of, of options for entertainment. Just tons. I could easily fill my time. And the rule was, was kind of like this. The rule was... Listen, you do your chores, okay? You do your schoolwork, 
and then your time is yours to do whatever brings you pleasure, right? And that's kind of the mindset, isn't it, that we sometimes grow up with. We, we work hard, right, so that we can play hard. Well, we are in a series here called Pace Yourself. We've been asking some questions about our capacity, about the pace of our lives. If you remember, we began this series. Tom talked about this a couple weeks ago. This is a visual reminder. This bag kind of represented our capacity. And then we fill our things with all kinds of of different uh, responsibilities and different things that we're interested in. And we know that we live in this culture that really does not do a lot to encourage us to protect our capacity, right? It encourages us to, to keep filling. It's kind of a status symbol, isn't it? Now for us to, like, be busy, right? We kind of lead with that. Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. i got so much going on. That's kind of the world that we live in. And unfortunately, our willingness to kind of partner with that kind of a lifestyle often finds us making choices to diminish things in our life, things that are... I'll just say it, they're more important. Our time with God, our, our time with our, our family, um, our time like living in community with other believers like God's called us to, uh, our time investing and discipling uh, our children if we're parents, um, our time really being on mission for God gets affected by this. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to zero in and look and focus in on one area that has a huge impact in our lives, and that is our play, or the pursuit of of pleasure, the pursuit of entertainment in our lives. Entertainment defined as the action of being provided with amusements or enjoyments, that which holds our attention. What does God have to say about this? What does he have to say about this area of our life? Have we thought about this at all? Like, does God have something to say about how we spend that, that play time? So I thought we'd start by getting an idea of where our culture is at in terms of how they spend their time in this area. So the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, just finished up an American time use study. It was released in June. It represents, like, numbers from 2017. And I'm going to share, so here's just some of the conclusions of that study. Now, you're not going to be able to read this, but I'll just kind of share some of the conclusions here. As far as, 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 as leisure activities and sports activities, okay, such as TV, socializing, relaxing, that's one of the categories, um, gaming, reading, uh, sports activities, exercise. On an average day in this survey, nearly everyone, 96%, ages 15 or over, engaged in some sort of leisure activity, okay? Watching TV was the one that was number one. 2.8 hours a day was the average spent watching TV. Socializing and and communicating, such as visiting with friends or attending or hosting social events, that was next, 39 minutes a day. Time spent reading for personal interest that varied greatly with age. If you're over 65, you read an average of 51 minutes a day. If you're like between 15 and 44, you read 10 minutes a day or less. As far as games go, ages 15 to 24 spend the most time on games about an hour a day. It's a fascinating study. If you get a chance, just Google it, read about the study. But here's the number I want to I wanna bring up here, okay? And this is 5.24. 5.24 hours. 
That is the average amount of time a person, according to this study, plays daily, spends time on leisure and sports kinds of things. And here's how it breaks down by age category, all right? And you can see those age 15 to 24 and those 65 and over kind of skew that number up a little bit, the 5.24. But still, it's over four hours a day for most, a day for most of us is spent on this. <clears throat> now, this study did not ask like specific questions about, about screen time. It did not ask specific questions about social media. Uh, we do know that a little over a year ago, Facebook self-reported that 50 minutes was the average that its users spent a day on its Facebook, Instagram, Messenger platforms, okay? CNN just released a study last month. Actually, they didn't release a study. They referenced a study where, uh, for kids eight and under. And the time they now spend in front of a mobile screen is 48 minutes a day, just in front of a mobile screen. That's up from 15 minutes a day in 2013. And, and Apple knows that this, this screen time thing is becoming an issue so they just released, probably many of you have it on your phone now, if you updated the last iOS, they give you the option to actually monitor your screen time, to know how much time you're spending and actually limit it. I will tell you on, on a personal level, in August, we had, if you remember, we had a month of rest here as a church. We didn't use social media. We kind of stepped back from things. And I did too. August 1st, I stopped the social media stuff. And I was really surprised at the effect that had on me. Um, I just, I noticed like, it, there was almost like a withdrawal phase that went, when I was I'm like reaching for my phone, I'm like, what's going on? I'm feeling disconnected from people. A couple days go by, I start to feel a little less, a little less anxious. Start to, more days go by, I start to have more clarity in my life, in my thinking. And I realize this is having an impact on me I don't even know about until I get away from it. And I've not gone back yet. I was planning on September 1st, man, I'm going back. I kind of have this weird feeling like I'm kind of worried to go back, and I can't go back to the way it was before. I know now how this has affected me. But with all the statistics and everything, it's just pretty clear that this, our play area is not just this little tiny part of our capacity here. It's not this. It's not this. It's like, honestly, it's like this. It's like this in our lives. It's, it's this big. And so what happens is this changes us. This changes what we do. So things that are good in our lives, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go connect with my neighbor. I just don't have time for that now because I've got to do this. Okay? Things like God's got a mission for me individually to be on mission for him. But I don't, I can't fit it in now. How about, I know that my marriage, that God calls me to love my wife and to invest there. But I just don't have time to do that. I'm so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. I know I need to disciple my kids. God's called me to that but I can't pray with them tonight because I've got something going on that way. And so we try to fit this in, and it just becomes, it's become bigger and bigger in our lives. And I actually, I think something's happening here. I think we need to think about, if you were here a couple weeks ago, you know that Tom referenced like this study that said that we all kind of overstate our busyness, right? 
that we, we actually say we work more hours than we do because it's, it makes sense. It's a sign of status, right, in our culture to be, to be so busy. So we overstate it. But think about this. If we overstate our busyness, and yet we spend 5.24 hours on average a day in this area, what is this saying? I think it's saying that our relationship to play, to entertainment, to pleasure, has moved from this extra in our lives to like this fundamental right. We deserve it, and it's like a supreme goal in our lives now. Could it be, just asking, could it be that we overstate our busyness to protect an area that's become so great to us, yet stands against the status of being productive? I mean, how many of us go around saying, hey, I spent like six hours watching TV tonight. It was great. You know, I spent five hours on my phone, just YouTube and stuff. It was great. Could it be that we are overstating our busyness to protect this God that we have, this God of, of entertainment, this God of leisure, this God of pleasure. Maybe, maybe we've, uh, we've convinced ourselves that we deserve it. Maybe we think it's going to help us avoid or forget the problems in our life. Maybe we're kind of self-medicating or escaping. There's certainly kind of a numbing effect that it can have in our lives. It also comes with a lack of purpose and direction as well. But this is kind of what's happening, guys, in our world around us. The question is, if we, if we have chosen to follow Jesus, what does that mean? Are we to be something different in this? And so the Bible's got some things for us to think about when it comes to our play. And I will tell you the early Christians knew what it was like to live in cultures that pursued pleasure as like the end goal, all right? So the Bible is relevant here. It speaks to things. So let's just look at a few principles to start off with, okay? Ephesians 5 says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time. So we're meant to spend our time wisely, right? The best use. Colossians 3 says, whatever we do in word or action, indeed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we're meant to include Jesus in everything we do. This is not an area where we say, okay, Jesus, I'm I'm leaving leaving you here to do this. We bring Jesus into this area. And Isaiah 42, verse 8, and this is the Lord speaking. And hear this. This is important. He says, I'm the Lord. That's my name. My glory, my glory I give to no other, to no other. So the God we love, the God we serve, is to be first in our lives. So this leads to a, con- a, con- a question maybe you have. So is this entertainment area, this enjoyment area, is it evil in and of itself? And the answer is no. And our goal should not be to eliminate it from our lives. Why? First, God created us to enjoy creation and to create please understand that he created us for this, all right? You remember our definition of entertainment, being provided with amusement or enjoyment. According to that definition, God is, God is the great entertainer. He is. 
I mean, God does not bring Adam and Eve into a world of nothing, into a world of darkness. It's in the garden that God catches their attention. Through the beauty of creation, God gives them and us senses to experience and to feel it. We're invited to be in the beauty, to take care of it, to maintain it, to benefit from it. And God placed in Adam and Eve and in us this desire to explore, to learn, to grow in creation, to contribute to it. And when we create, we have the opportunity to live out what he's put inside of us. When we see beauty or art that reflects back to him, we're moved because he's put that inside of us. If you're a parent, you can relate because when your child has a drawing, what do you do? You take it and you put it somewhere, don't you? Usually on the fridge, maybe. You celebrate what they did. It delights you. And I believe that God is delighted when he sees those he made creating and enjoying the creation. God also captures our attention through his word and through story. He is the great storyteller. You think about it, the events of history, the escapades of his people in the Old Testament, the captivating account of Jesus. I mean, think about what surrounds that, the, the angels, the stars over Bethlehem, the heavens, the cross, the resurrection, just vivid images surround his, his coming. God is the ultimate revealer, and he's the storyteller. We're drawn to story. We're drawn to specifically redemption kinds of stories. They're all over the media that we consume. We see someone who's fallen and someone's life who's redeemed. All of our, almost all of our entertainment paints that story. He's the great storyteller. He's the one who used, uses bread and wine to prompt us to remember him. He's the one that refers to a, a future banquet with him, vivid pictures for us. In addition, he gives us plenty of examples of forms of entertainment and story in the Bible, from, from the poetry that we read in the Psalms to the songs of Miriam and Deborah, to David entertaining Saul and soothing his mind with music, to artisans, to architects, to to artists who are commissioned for the creation of the tabernacle and the temple, to elaborate festivals described with color and music and engaging participation. In Ecclesiastes, we're told of a time to laugh that there's a season to do that. Ecclesiastes 9, verses 7 through 9 says, Go, Eat your bread with joy. Drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love. That's your portion in life. So clearly, enjoying life from experiencing or creating art to recounting, developing story to breathing in creation to dancing to playing music to running, as Paul illustrated, used illustrations to laughing to tasting food. It's all a gift in its right use, in its right use. So God created us to enjoy creation and to create. So what is the problem? What's the problem? Well, the problem is this. We choose rivals. We choose rivals. We, we take what God generously encourages and gives to us, and we elevate it. We elevate it to this high level where it replaces our love for our, for our God. 
And the Bible gives us plenty of examples of those who shifted allegiances. They had their, their heart and their mind set on loving God, and then they got taken out. They went and they served other gods, gods of pleasure. We saw it in the golden calf, right? We see it in the cities, Sodom, Gomorrah, other examples in the Bible. So, so just a question personally for us, say, where are we at today with this in our lives? How big, how big is this? And do we think about this at all? Does it crowd out things that are more important? Really, have the things, have the things that God created become greater than the creator himself in our lives? Have we abused the gift that he's given us? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus said this, uh, this, this, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the others. You cannot serve God and money. Now, the context of this passage we know is, is about money, but there's a principle here that, is, that applies, because often we spend our money as well on, on things of entertainment and leisure. We cannot serve God and elevate something else to that same status. Remember, he says, I'm the Lord. That's my name. My glory I give to no other. So we've got to think, 5.24 hours a day, if this is us, what is that? What is that in our lives? Is our volume of pleasure a rival to God? I knew of someone who, uh, who was getting married, and they said to their spouse, they said, hey, you got to know this about me. I love golf. I'm a golfer. And I want to tell you going in that I'm not giving that up. That's who I am. I like it. I enjoy it. And so you got to know that if you're going to marry me, you're going to have to accept that part of my life. And what a way to start a marriage, right? To introduce a rival right at the beginning of the marriage. And sadly, that marriage ended, did not make it. Because you can't have rivals with something as important as your God, something as important as the one you're marrying. A couple things we've got to realize about rivals is they always ask they always ask and demand more and more and more and more. It's never enough. And that, that's the nature. We read about it in James 1. That's the nature of desire, the nature of sin. It starts with desire. If that is fed, it grows. It, it gives birth to sin. And sin does not stop. It asks for more and more and more and more. And what, what does it lead to? It says in James 1, it's 14, 15, it says it leads and produces death in us. So good things, good things can grow and become idols in our life and to lead us and to produce death in us. And I'll tell you, I, I see, I want to be honest, I see something really concerning in, and I include myself here, okay, in myself and in the, the, um, the followers of Christ, all of us together. And this is what I see. Okay, and this is for, for all of us, but really, especially influencers who are in the room, parents, we play, we play such a major role in this in our kids' life. 
And when it comes to, to the, the river of entertainment, what are we most concerned about for our kids? Are we merely examining the behavior on the boat while not realizing that all of us are being moved by the river itself? Here's another way to say it. Are we training our kids and each other to recognize the subtle powers in our culture that move us? Or are we focused on content, eliminating sex scenes, eliminating language from the kids are the things our kids see, or eliminating violence? Are we focused on content but unaware of the volume and the impact of what we perceive as okay? Because we're being changed by all of this. We're being changed, and we've got to realize that it's happening over time. And I believe that heavy access to this area is going to impact our souls, and it is, regardless of whether it passes content tests. So we've got to face a reality, I think, that, and this should grip us, that our enemy is having impact here. And our world is, it's amusing itself to death. It's, it's playing to death. So rivals, they always ask for more. Second thing, rivals will cause us to despise the thing that draws us away from them. All right? As Jesus said, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one or despise the other. Do you see the relationship there between two things that we put, that we serve as masters? One tries to hate the other, okay? One tries to root the other out. And if your play, if this area has become a rival, you know what you'll do? You'll protect it at all costs. You'll, you'll feed it, and you'll eliminate other things in your life. Things which are good, things like loving your spouse, loving your family, loving the one who made you, they get crowded out. And so we've got to be willing to call out rivals that come into our life, and we've got to be willing to have some reflection. And hedonism, which is pleasure as life's supreme goal, it is a major rival to the gospel today because of time. And I also think, as followers of Christ, we've got we've to step back and take a look at our minds and the patterns that they're in. Do we view this area as entitlement for our lives, right? I deserve this. I've worked hard. Because we've got to realize we've got an opportunity here, not just in our own lives, but to impact a generation that goes beyond us, to say to them that play area, this play area is really his area. It's God's area. And that's a good thing because he brings purpose. He brings meaning to what we do. He's not asking us to eliminate it, but I think he is asking us to bring some purpose to it. Whatever we do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So God created us to enjoy creation and to create. The problem is we choose rivals, but the great news The awesome news is that Jesus forgives and he invites us back into his story, okay? Not the story of what we're watching on Netflix. Not the story of our favorite athlete. No, it's nothing wrong with following them. 
But he invites us into his story. He's doing something here. And we know this, and maybe you don't, but, but uh, on the cross, Jesus died. He gave his life for all sin. He died for the way you and I seek pleasure as an end in our lives. And he forgives us, and he invites us back, and he invites us to realize that our play and our pleasure, when we pursue this as an end, it's a drink that will not satisfy us. It will not quench our thirst. If you remember the original Pirates of the Caribbean movie, remember there's like the cursed crew in that movie? And the deal is that they keep eating and drinking, but they can never be satisfied. That's why they're cursed, trying to get out of the curse. But that is us when we pursue this area here as an end. Our thirst will never be quenched. Think about it. Think about the volume of media we have out now. You may have lists of TV shows, right, on Netflix that your friends have told you about. Oh, you've got to watch this. You may, ha- you may be- have them lined up. The amount of information that can distract us, that can take our time now, is, is crazy. There's always going to be a new show. There's always going to be a new event to go to or a new book. There's always going to be a new sport to sign up for, or a new league to get into. It's okay to enjoy those things, but pursuing that as an end is something that will not quench your thirst. In fact, what happens a lot for us is that we begin a cycle where we seek those things, and ultimately we find ourselves kind of disappointed with life, and so what do we do? We run back. And we go back to those things again. And we're like in a cycle. And over time, there's a numbing that happens to our souls. Titus 3 talks about what we were like before Jesus, right? Pre-Christ. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray. We were just slaves, man, to the various passions and the pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Does that sound like a fun life? It's just a numbness, right? But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of anything we'd done, but because of His mercy in our lives. Jesus died to make us right with God, and the fact is, He died to forgive us for what we pursue outside of him and to invite us to know that he's most glorified. God is most glorified when we find our hope in him. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says this, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Don't set your hope there. Where do you set your hope? But on God. You can't read it very well, but it says, (laughs) who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Okay? He provides it. We set our hope in Him. He provides it. And then we've got a mission. We're to do good. We're to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share, storing up treasure in heaven versus on earth. But the hope is in Him. It's not in the things that are created. But he provides us with everything to enjoy. So God created us to enjoy creation and to create. We choose rivals, but Jesus forgives and he invites us back into his story 
And the final point, Jesus calls us. He calls us to live with intention and to enjoy play in the context of his story. He calls us to a healthier pace, a different pace than the pace of this world. And, and, and Paul uses an illustration of 1 Corinthians when he talks about a, a, an athlete, a runner, and he says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run, you run this race with Christ that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive like this trophy, right? This prize that's going to go away. We do it for a different reason. We run the race with Christ because we're going to receive something eternal. But verse 26, this is key here in this area, I believe. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline. I discipline and I I introduce self-control into this life, into my life. We're called, I believe, every one of us is called to have a plan. We don't let this just come to us, okay? Because you know, if you run aimlessly without a target, you know what will happen, don't you? You know what your nature will do if you do not have a plan. I'll tell you what, I was, uh, the other night I was, I wasn't going to say this, but, but I was, um, I heard that uh, one of my favorite musicians, man, he's coming out with an album, Journey lead singer Steve Perry. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I thought he was never going to come back. He releases an album, okay? I get on my, I get on YouTube. I'm like, Steve Perry, you know, whatever. So he's doing radio interviews. So I start watching these. I'm hearing the story of just what he went through in his life and why he's coming back now. Okay, later on in the day, I come back and I'm looking at my screen time because I've been monitoring that a little bit. And, and I see an hour and 10 minutes spent. I'm like, what? How did I spend an hour and 10 minutes on that? I look and see, it tells you exactly what app you spent your time on. YouTube, an hour and 10 minutes. I'm like, ha, that's impossible. I go back and look at the videos. Yeah, they were like 28 video, 28 minute video, 29 minute video, whatever minute video. I'm like, I had no idea that I, that I spent that much time. Isn't that how it happens, though, for us? We get into something and we think, ah, it's going to do this. We're called to live with intention. We're called to exercise some self-control. And there's kind of a picture you have, maybe you think about it. I mean, the remote control, is this not the illustration of wandering aimlessly? Right? We sit down, don't we? And we just sit. You know, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of shows that I watch. I just don't. But my issue is, I get home in the evening, sometimes late, usually, and I get home and I'm like, I worked hard today, man. I deserve some time. And I sit down, and I'm like, what's on? All right? And I think that is just the definition, isn't it, of wandering aimlessly? I'm looking for something just to fill my time. And you know what happens if there's no safeguards around it? What happens? That 10 minutes that I say, ah, I'm just going to be on for 10 minutes, can grow. It can become an hour. It can become two hours. It can become 5.24 hours a day, right? That's how it goes. So Paul says, no soldier, and we know that Jesus Christ is our master, right? So we're soldiers. That's what we are. And no soldier gets entangled, doesn't say eliminates, 
but gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Some versions say his commanding officer. That's who Jesus is, his commanding officer. So we got to examine carefully, are we doing this? Are we teaching this generation, parents, to discern in this area, okay, to be intentional in this area? We got we to gotta be wise. We got to make the best use of our time. And I'll tell you this, our world, what does it do? It reacts, right? Because we all know, every one of us knew that this smartphone thing was getting out of control. We knew because all, all of us were playing with it. We knew it was, gonna, it was just going to grow and grow and grow. But did, did Apple do anything about it at the beginning? No. They just let it grow, let it grow, and it just took over more and more. And now, what does the world do? They react. Well, people are kind of upset about this now, so we're going to react and we're going to release this iOS and help people limit it. We are called to something different as followers of Christ. We're called to be intentional. We, we honestly, we should be one step ahead of this world in terms of what's coming out, what's influencing us. We, gotta be, we should be leading our families that way, one step ahead. We should know what our kids are experiencing. I sent out a, uh, an email to parents not long ago just telling them, here's a culture update. Be clued in to what's happening in your culture. I sent that because we got to be ahead. we got to be one step ahead. It's always changing. So in, intention for us means, means time management, I believe. I mean, it, I think it believes bringing purpose into our pleasure because there's a difference between the self-indulgent kind of pleasure we experience sometimes and the purposeful kind of pleasure where we're a part of his story and we're enjoying things, but we've got purpose in enjoying those things. And Paul said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. That's 1 Corinthians six twelve. So, as we mature in Christ, I believe this, through Throughout our journey, as we're, as we're growing to be more like him, as we're handing more areas of our life over to him, I believe that our patience should wear thin for things that just waste our time, things that don't advance the kingdom. I believe the volume of pleasure and the purpose of, enjoy, of our enjoyment radically shifts as we grow in him and we understand that we were created for more than just being a part of someone else's story. Yes, we can enjoy in the context of his story, but we were created to be in the story, to be active participants. So how does it look to be intentional for you in the day-to-day, for me in the day-to-day? That's what I want you to pray about. That's what I want you to invite the Holy Spirit into and to talk in our groups about together to open this area up a little bit. Because I think our main problem here, honestly, is we've got no reflection on this area. We've got no intention happening in this area. As long as we eliminate the content, the bad stuff, we can have at it. That's, I think that's an attitude that's out there. But I will tell you, guys, we are wasting precious 
time. There is something that God has done for this world, and you and I have, have received it. Many of us have trusted Christ. We've found forgiveness, but this world is amusing itself to death. Are we going to join in and just forget that we have a mission? Or are we going to partner with God to redeem this world? I can't give you a formula today. I can't say, well, the Christian should spend 28 minutes a day on a reading. The Christian should spend this. And don't go away from hearing this saying, again, that you should eliminate this. Enjoy what God gives. Enjoy it. But can I urge you, can I just urge you and invite you to invite the Holy Spirit and to ask some questions? One, how much, how much is play taking in my capacity? Is it crowding out things that God, that are way more important, things that are eternal? Am I making the best use of my time? Am I being intentional or am I just aimless? Do I have no plan whatsoever? Just let it come to me. Can my self-indulgent play be redeemed for something of purpose? And the big question is, is this a rival? Are there rivals in my life? What is it that I will protect at all costs, even when it comes to God saying, I want you to do this, or I'm leading you to do this, or this body is moving somewhere together? What is that thing that you'd say, well, I cannot, can't do that. I've got this. I've got this. He says, I'm the Lord. That's my name. My glory I give to no other. Can we pray? God, we uh, want to pause for a moment and listen and let your, let your spirit speak to us. And I'm as guilty as anyone here of this area just of having seasons of, of just numbing, of not even thinking about it, and of, and of it affecting my soul. And God, I pray for anyone here today, if they're in that, that place, that they would um, they'd hear your call for something different, for something better. Um, I pray for us as you bring things to our mind and to our attention, things that are rivals, whether it's with, with TV or reading or, or uh, the amount of activity we have in our lives, even the way that we potentially are leading our families, God, you invite us, we know you invite us to enjoy, but for there to be no rivals in our life. So we lay that before you. We turn to Jesus now and we worship. And even as we worship the beautiful name of our Savior, we invite you, we put our hands out and with open hands we invite you to change our course, change our direction, change our life. You are our commanding officer, and we worship you today.